Michali, thanks for joining this Tipsero podcast. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, welcome to welcome to Tipsero. Thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here. The pleasure is all mine. Um, Michali, I am reading a tiny extract of your personal bio so that people know what you do and, and who you are. And I guess the reason why uh, you're taking part in this Tipsero podcast, which I'm super happy about. Um, you are a global mobility leader um, and uh, you've worked for a number of companies. You actually had a small relocation agency in the past and you especially focused on people-friendly mobility policies and processes. And the reason why uh, I called you here on Stepsero is to discuss um, somehow the relationship between mobility and mobility programs in companies and employee mental well-being. I think this is a very interesting topic and also a very very important topic that we don't talk a lot about. So one thing, when we talk about global mobility in general, um, then we have the traditional part of global mobility, which is all about assignments. Assignments is like we have an employee and we send this employee to another um, branch or another location of our company for a certain amount of time, and then they come back. And this topic uh, was already covered in uh, Step Zero uh, in, the, in the past by another guest who was working in this topic. And But from this, we started developing also the more modern side or the newer side of global mobility, which has a lot to do with relocations of people. So relocations is different than assignments because with relocations, we say we hire a new person and we bring them into our country so that they can work with us here in the office or hybrid or whatever. But traditionally, it means, for example, if I am, we see this a lot with tech, so tech companies are doing it a lot. If I am uh, now recruiting for um, tech positions, then I'm looking for engineers. And in some cases, I cannot find the best uh, candidates in Germany here. So what I would do is I would um, look outside of Germany and other markets, maybe Brazil, maybe India, other markets, maybe Egypt. Um, and I find the most amazing candidates. And then I say, okay, I want those candidates to come to Germany. Now, this is a huge topic because we're also standing now in front of a change in the immigration laws, but because Germany also understands that we have the problem that we don't have enough people. We have two, more jobs than we have people. Uh, and we need to have better immigration laws in order to allow the people to come. But let's say from an immigration perspective, we can bring the people into Germany. Then the business leaders and the hiring managers, everybody say, great, we found our people. Now let's relocate them to Germany. Everybody put some emphasis on the visa process because this is what is needed in order to bring the people in. Um, some companies also think about the relocations and the relocations benefits. Like, for example, how do people find housing? Or how when the people arrive, where will they live? But I feel like there is little empathy or little emphasis on what happens when the people are here and they're facing another culture than what they're used to. They're facing different people and they have to build themselves from scratch in a new country. So, for example, people, we relocate somebody, let's say from Brazil, to Germany. And as part of our relocation journey, we say, hey, we help you to find temporary housing or hey, you get uh, your uh, one or two months uh, first um, rents paid. Um, then the people come, they already have a temporary housing 
and then they are thrown into the jungle of finding housing in Berlin. In many cases, they don't understand the differences between the different types of postings in the city, and they don't understand what they realistically can get. And then they find themselves in a situation that their temporary housing is about to expire, and they don't have an apartment. What do you do? Of course, that brings a lot of uh, a lot of anxiety to some people, and that can really affect a lot of things. It can affect how you perform at work, can affect your mental well-being, can affect your general well-being, your family. Um, and this is a situation that happens all the time. Another example is if you come in with a family. Let's say we find the perfect candidate. This candidate is in India, and we relocate them together with their family. What happens now when their family comes here? And with, is their partner able to find a job or does, does the partner work in a profession that requires them to learn German in order to work? Yeah. Or can the kids go to school? If the kids are now already in high school age and they cannot find a spot in an international school or they cannot pay the fees for the international schools, they need to go to a German school. How will they complete their high school diploma? Uh, tests, all types of those things. And so sometimes that brings a lot of pressure into the system that I think for employers is still some sort of a blind spot in terms of what happens. I think it has a lot to do with resilience. So in many cases, we is like, okay, I choose to relocate. I am the employee. I choose to relocate. So I deal with it. Yeah. But in other cases, I feel like it's also a matter of expectation management in terms of you are now relocating to Germany what is going to happen here is what's going to happen you're going to need at least a couple of months to find an apartment if you're lucky you're going to get an apartment within like three to six months residence permit can take you up to six months to get and without a residence permit you might not be able to open a bank account in Germany so that means you need a bank account from another EU country it's all doable but if somebody tells you this before you come then you don't end up going to 10 different German banks and hearing a no from all of them because you just have a national visa in your passport, not your residence permit, and there is nothing you can do, right? So I think that there is a lot, a lot, a lot of things that we still need to put a lot of emphasis on. And for me, like the thing that always helps me is to remember that there is another person in the other side of this email. So when someone is writing to me, hey, I recently relocated to Germany, how do I open a bank account? For me, it's just a technical question. But for this person, it's about how they get their salary. It's about how they pay their rent. It's about how they buy their groceries. And I think we need to have the, the this sensitivity to understand also the other side in this case. Wow, that's that's that is a lot to unpack. And you've touched on so many interesting topics. And and you see me taking notes here, but I let me go. Let me let me try to follow a certain order because there's a lot of things that I want to ask you. Um, the first one, which may be uh, may come across as a silly question, is well, mobility. But specifically, we are talking about relocation here. Are relocation processes relatively young um, compared to, um, let's say, other industries outside of mobility? So my question would be, how established our mobility processes compared to other company processes 
And the follow-up question would be, how have these processes been impacted over the last, <clears throat> let's say, three to four years um, compared to, for example, what was happening before the pandemic? Very good questions. So I think when we're talking about like the industry, I think it really depends on the industries and the more traditional industries and the more traditional companies. I think the traditional mobility um, policies and processes were always of assignments because the assumption was that we find people within the country. And so you see this in like in Germany, you see it in, with many um, very old companies that have the, that have German as a language, as an official language where all the communication is in German and where you see that most of the people working there are German. Um, I think the, the relocations as part of, a, of, a, of, of mobility processes has a lot to do with the um with the fact that we just don't have enough professionals here and this is a thing of the last years i think and it comes maybe together also with the rise of tech we see a lot of relocations in tech it's really interesting because i worked both in tech and in pharma and in pharma we did have relocations but it was kind of like a new thing people didn't really know what to do with it and uh, when people thought about mobility they didn't think about that at all Whereas in tech, the main bulk of global mobility is about permanent relocation. So people who relocate to, to other countries to work there permanently. Um, and it's a different perspective. It's different if you go to another country for two to three years and then you come back to your, to your home country rather than if you permanently move to another country. It's different because if you go there just for two to three years and you come back, then you want to keep your rights in your home country you don't break your ties to your home country. And also the amount of integration in the host country is limited because you know you're not going to stay there. Whereas if you're now transferring your life to another country and you say, okay, I'm going to be here, maybe not forever, but for, for the long term, then you will want to integrate into this country in a different way. So that's about um, that. And then you asked me also about uh, the last past, last, three to four years. So I'm working in this field of relocation since 10 years. And I have seen here in Berlin that the increase within those 10 years together with the increase in tech. So the increase in relocations together with the increase in tech companies and the tech industry that we have here in the hub that we have here in Berlin. Um, and the thing that the pandemic changed a lot is it brought a lot of stress into the equation because all of a sudden, you didn't know when you would relocate, right? You got an offer working for this company, but if the sky was closed and you could not fly from one country to the other, or if you had travel bans, or if you had like uh, regulations changing all the time in terms of who can enter a certain country and who not, then you would just be in this limbo when you wouldn't know how long it takes. Yeah, so we had a group of people who were hired right before COVID and were in the process of relocating when COVID hit. And they had to wait for an unknown period of time until they could relocate. And then we had the people who were hired throughout COVID. And that in those two years, we had travel bans that came sporadically as variants developed. Yeah, so you just didn't know. You didn't know when you when you would be able to relocate, and that added a lot of stress into the into the equation. I always told people back then because we had no 
you know, people would come to me because I, and when COVID just started, I was working as a, as a, as a visa consultant and people came to me and told me, okay, Michali, but when can I relocate? And I used to tell them, well, I know you want me to give you the answer, but I can't because I don't know. What we're going to need now is to apply flexibility. And that was for some people easier than others, but that put in a lot of pressure and a lot of stress into the equation as I've already said like three times, um, because this is such a stressful process. And to add COVID on top of it, where you don't know, you just don't know when you're going to be able to relocate, that adds way more. Then at a certain point, we had uh, another thing that um, increased with COVID, which is remote work. So since in some cases, we didn't know when people were able to join, then companies found all types of creative solutions in order to hire them remotely for the beginning. And then what we saw throughout COVID was actually really fascinating was that you had people who didn't who then didn't want to relocate. They wanted to stay in their home country because they said, yeah, this is working. This remote setup is working really well. Why do I need to relocate? Everybody is working remotely anyways. Why do you care if I sit in my apartment in Berlin or if I sit in my apartment in, I don't know where, Moscow in this, in this uh, case, um, or Istanbul or Tel Aviv. Why do you care? And that was also a lot of work and a lot of um, understanding work for, for us because until then, nobody really looked at remote work as a topic. And that grew to be huge during the pandemic because we had to find solutions and we had to understand the problems. And we had to see, okay, in which cases can we uh, have the people work remotely? And in which cases we must insist that people will come? You have mentioned quite a few main issues that people can come across um, during this this process. And, and so the connection, to me at least, between um, relocation and employee mental well-being is very, very clear, right? Like, so you've mentioned, for example, um, among some of the main issues, um, um, problems with or stress uh, related to uh, housing, accommodation, visa struggles, um, family relocation. So handling um, things for uh, somebody's uh, significant other or their kids. Um, you've mentioned travel bans. So this all sounds like very, very stressful. Do you find that employees and professionals that are that have relocated or are about to relocate, are they actually open about these struggles? Uh, are they are they openly anxious with you or with uh, with professionals of your caliber about their struggles? So when I was working uh, hands on as a visa consultant, people were more open about the struggles. Um, I put a lot of emphasis from the very beginning on, on expectation management, because for me, the worst thing we can do to somebody is to not to tell them, yeah, yeah, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And then they arrive and they encounter all those problems. So for me, like when I worked as hands-on visa consultant, I used to like have chats with the people, I used to have meetings with the people and I used to explain the process to them and to tell them realistically, how long does it take to find an apartment? Realistically, what should they expect with schooling? Some people who came to Germany, it was not clear to them that schooling here is in German, for example. And if they understand this, 
then that changes things. Because if you don't speak German yourself and your kid needs, needs help with their homework, how will you help them? So all types of those issues. But I think that, so I used to do it as a visa consultant. Now that I am working in a company, um, I don't do the hands-on consultancy anymore, but I'm trying to bring this awareness in every company that I go to in terms of let's help people understand what does it mean. Let's help people understand how long this process is going to take because there is not a lot of information about how long it's going to take, right? People sometimes don't understand why it's important to manage this um, expectation or let's basically give people the information about what does it mean to find an apartment in Berlin. I feel like this is super important because if people come here and they think, yeah, I'm just going to have an apartment because I have a good job and everything's going to be fine. And then they find out that actually it's more complicated than it's, it's a disappointment. And too many of those disappointments might have really, really bad implications on your, on your well-being. How do company react, you think, when you have several years of experience in, in this field? And as you said, like you're trying to bring more and more attention to this. There is also a, com a component that I believe you described very well of you being proactive with, uh, with professionals and trying to manage expectations. When you bring these topics and try to shed light on the importance of relocation and global mobility in general to, to companies, how do companies or let's say their leaders react? Do, are they usually aware that this is a very important matter? Once, basically, I think that nobody thinks about this because people have their own thing. Some leaders will think, yeah, okay, how will it work? But I think not many leaders would think, okay, how we we hire this engineer and we're paying them a great salary for an engineer, but they come with like a family of four people. How will this work? I think that there is not a lot of, of thinking about this, but once you raise this, then it becomes a topic. And I think this is our responsibility to bring up this awareness of, are we giving our people everything that they need to have in order to be set up for success? And when I'm saying this, I don't just mean like the benefits and the, I don't know, whatever, visa assistance. Um, I mean also integration-wise, are we being tolerant and understanding when they need to go for home viewing appointments? Are we um, checking in on them to see, hey, does this work for you? Are we making sure that um, if they need to, I don't know, do a phone call in, in, and it's in German, they have somebody that can help them with that? So stuff like this. And I think in many cases... Once you have somebody who just relocated in your team, then those cases will arise and then you will develop this awareness. But if this is the first time you're doing this as a business leader, you yeah, might need some support to, under to get this awareness. I think that there is also a lot of misunderstandings because this field is super, super complex. Yeah, Visas, immigration. I, I'm in the past 10 years, I have explained immigration to so many people and I understood that people understand maybe 50% of what I'm saying. 
it's so complicated. And now in the era of social media, there is all this information. And um, I somehow assume that like what my friend will have is also what I will have. And if that didn't happen in the way that I wanted to, then it's the visa consultant's fault. They didn't do a good job. They didn't give me a good advice, you know. And sometimes I look at those cases and I say, no, actually, they gave you the right answer. But or I had that also as a visa consultant myself yeah, that I got them. I got the feedback that I didn't give good advice because people read something somewhere and they thought they could have gotten something better if they wouldn't have listened to me. Where you go like, no, you are wrong, but there is nothing I can do to prove you wrong. So think what you want. What can I do? Um, yeah. Interesting. Is it is it fair, you think, to say that for people relocating, well, for professionals relocating in this case, companies are actually their primary ally Definitely. And family and think that also people who come to another country, maybe they know some people who live in this other country, but in many cases, they know nobody. So they will meet their friends at work. Yeah, they will hang out with the people that they meet at work. So you as a team that is now bringing on board somebody from abroad need to also take this into consideration that you are their support network, want it or not. Hmm. Let me let me almost flip the conversation and uh, and uh, let me ask you how how stressful is all of this to somebody like you so an actual relocation professional how you you have a lot of responsibility like 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 you've perfectly depicted this is a very complicated process there are so many things that professionals don't even know they will have to face upon relocation, not just themselves, but their their whole family in certain cases. Um, how do you cope with, with such a big responsibility and how do you think professionals like yourself cope and or should cope with, with the stress of the job in this case? I think it takes a lot of resilience. Um, so when I was working uh, for seven years in my as a visa consultant in my own little relocation agency, and that was really stressful. It took me some time to understand that I left it with some PTSD, some really minor PTSD, um, because you want to perform well and you want to not disappoint the people you're working with and you want them to be set up for success. So you do everything you can and sometimes you get blamed for things and sometimes you get blamed for th for things that are not in your responsibility um and then you learn you try to take the learnings from them and then at a certain point i found myself also so anxious that people misunderstand me that i just kept on repeating things all the time in a way that was not streamlined but just like in my email communication all the time and i think that brought levels of anxiety um, in my, when I was working as a visa consultant, I was also working on cases that are private cases of people who like, for example, came here as freelancers or family reunification cases. And in those cases, you also don't have the company, you just have the people and the visa process is different. So you get into the room with a visa consultant. If it works, everybody's happy and you save the day. If it doesn't work, it's your fault. People don't see the blind spot and people also don't understand that sometimes 
you just don't get the visa and you just have to come again. And sometimes you just have to correct things, you know? And then I try to always protect the people from this disappointment by being over-prepared, by checking their documents a gazillion times, by really babysitting them to make sure that they have everything that they need. Um, and in most cases that worked. In some cases it didn't because some things are out of our control, right? But I think it really left a mark on me, this entire, like being this, having this anxiety and also fearing that if something didn't work out, you will be the one to be blamed at the end. Uh, and the people today in the era of social media can show their dissatisfaction very publicly, very easily also. That leaves a mark. Now that I'm working in a company, it's different types of stress. It's different type of, of pressure that you have because it's more about how do I streamline the processes? How do I create the policies in the way that is that is suitable to what my company wants? How do I get a hold of all of this? And how do I give my people, empower my people, my team members, to do their work and to grow in this field, how do I inspire them so that they will also see how cool this field is and not just think like another visa. Um, so it's different types of challenges. It's definitely better for me, for my mental health. Um, it's definitely also more interesting for me, for me as a person. Leadership is also super cool for me because it brings up also the challenges and opportunities that come with empowering people and helping them grow and being there for them, which is something that I also really enjoy. Thank you so much for sharing. And it makes it makes a lot of sense. Look, we are in the final stage of our conversation. Um, I have one very quick, very final question for you. Um, yes. And um, let's say you could right now um, speak to somebody who is a professional and is about to relocate to Germany for work, uh, what's the first thing that um, that you would tell them or that you would want them to know? I would tell them to, I would tell them that relocation is not for everybody and that they should really think if this works for them. I would encourage them to do a lot of research and in the research to try to base the research on official information and not just on things that they read on social media. I would encourage them to read social media, but to take it with critical eyes. Yeah, not just take everything that is said there as as as, as truth. Um, and to basically also think if they are up for being an expat and, and try to understand what this means. This is another topic that we didn't touch today in terms of what does it mean to be an expat? What does it mean to live in a country that you were not born in? That's maybe another time we can talk about that. <laughs> Yali, you've, you're phenomenal. I'm so happy that we had this conversation. I hope we can have more soon. Um, thank you so much for doing this. And uh, till next time. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great conversation. I enjoyed it a lot. Until next time. Bye. <laughs>